0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome to Splat Book, the RPG Topics Podcast. If this is your first episode, we talk about tabletop RPG design, but we're doing something a little different today. This show is brought to you by the generous contributions of the lovely backers of the Map Crow Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash Map Crow and pledge today to support the show and gain exclusive access to the Map Crow secret sketchbook. My name is Kyle and with me is my Favorite game master John
1: Kyle. I visit my favorite overworked artist, Kyle Latino.
0: (laughs) I'm so tired.
1: (laughs) You're so so tired. tired. (laughs) Yes, it's exciting though. Yeah, it is. It's. I mean, that's. that's,
0: uh, I've been. I've been in the fortunate yet unenviable position of having lots of stressful things happening in my life for the last three years that are all because of really wonderful opportunities. Yeah. So it's just like it's. It's great. It's. It's the the best kind of stress is
1: like because you have too many great things going on. Yeah. As uh, somebody once said to me, the only thing worse than being invited to the prom is not being invited to the prom. Ooh. (laughs) You know, like yeah. So uh so today what are we talking about, John? Well, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Me and some friends on our sister podcast, RF or roll for topic, uh, put on our the third annual RFT con. And when I say we, it's really Chris and Andy's uh brainchild and they do most of the legwork. And then Tim Saucer and I, Tim's been on the show before the episode's talking about RPG with kids. Um sort of do supporting roles. Like I picked up the bottled water and Tim ordered the pizza, you know, and, uh, we, I got to see space. Tim at
0: Gen Con actually. Uh, that's, so, right, yeah, that's right. That's right. I haven't had an entirely Timless year, which is nice. Yeah,
1: that's good. That's good. Now. So we, we rent a space. Um, actually, ironically, it's in the Ann Arbor senior center. They actually rent out there. They have this big hall and it's designed as for like, like just the local seniors to like have a place to go play bridge and stuff, but they rent it out, uh, and it's, it's reasonably priced, and we ran four tables of games, and I'm going to tell you about a bunch of them uh, after we do a few splat phones.
0: Yeah, we got two wonderful splat phone messages today, and the first we are going to hear from is from uh, listener Carrie.
1: Carrie, take it away.
0: Hey, John and Kyle. This is Kerry from Indianapolis. I'm a pretty new player to Dungeons and Dragons. I'm playing about a year now and I just started DMing my first campaign this past weekend. It went pretty well so far. Something that I did with this campaign was that I actually ran a session zero playing a game of dialect with my my group, with my players, to do a bit of collaborative world building. And now we've moved into actual Dungeons & Dragons 5e. So I was curious, have you ever run different parts of a campaign or different elements of a campaign with different game systems, game systems that might be tailored to a specific element of play. Love the show, guys. Excited to see what you have to say.
1: All right. So, Kerry, that is a great question. And in fact, the aforementioned Tim Saucer, uh, we are on a a private Discord together, and he literally asked the question, do you know anyone who's tried to use dialect as the world-building uh, mechanic for an rpg and i hadn't until i heard your question known anybody who did that it sounds really interesting the the advice i gave them at the time was it sounds like a good idea but you may, might need to um uh it, it can be a little final at the end because if you haven't played dialect it's about a world that sort of falls apart a little bit which can be a great place to start an rpg um but my advice was maybe have the last the last card you turn up or address in dialect be a little bit not necessarily upbeat but a point of action where there's some place to go from there um but i think that sounds amazing i know that uh in ethersea uh for um the adventure zone they did uh what is the name of it the quiet tier uh as their world building system and then played 5e Uh, I have not done that, though I did do it at RFTCon in a different way and context, which I'll tell you all about later. But no, I think that is a wonderful idea. And it's, to me, sort of the ultimate RPG group experience, right? Like, what if you have the same campaign going, but the game is changing based on the context of the campaign? You know, like, so for world building, you use one of these story RPGs and then you... Have some fantasy adventure, and then I don't know, maybe you're lost at sea, and it's a different RPG. So, anyway, that sounds really interesting, and thank you for sharing that experience. What are your thoughts, Kyle?
0: Yeah, uh, so as as I think there's a lot of options for world building games out there. There's there's of course a Microscope, um, and I recently played in a game with my Cloud Curio buds called Excuse Me, Did You Say Street Magic? Which is all about kind of defining a city, um, and we we recreated this this really bizarre kind of like Martian colony, uh, like steampunk Martian colony. And uh, uh, by the end of it, we really we were really like, man, should we just like figure out an RPG to play in this setting? Because this this place it, it, it kicks butt. Um so uh so yeah I I think there's more and more uh of that kind of thing and then I've also run a mini game uh called do not let us die in the dark night of this cold winter. Uh um, several years ago. Yeah, so it is a a resource management mini game uh by Cecil Howell uh coming out through his 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 own uh publishing imprint called Cone of Negative Energy. And wow. the idea is that you play this uh if you're playing like a low magic kind of like a grim uh, um, dark fantasy game, uh, winter is going to be a big problem and you don't actually want to go adventuring during winter. Cause then you're, you're going to starve to death and freeze to death on the road. Right. Uh, so this tells you how to, how to, how, it's a mini, it's basically like a resource management board game that you play to gather wood and and fuel and uh medicine and food while you stay it stay in a cabin for a whole winter
1: and you just reminded me of two things one is there is a game and i have not played it yet i've just read it but i really want to it's called world ending game
2: yeah it's design
1: is to be played at the end of your campaign so imagine a campaign where you start building the world with dialect you play fantasy age or 5e or whatever for you know six months or a year and then you end your world with world ending game like this sounds like something i'm going to do now so that sounds really interesting i'll put a link to the show notes for all of those in there in there was uh
0: there was a game that i saw i might be misremembering this but i don't believe so um there is a game that is yes yes it uh, released at uh gen con it's called ink by snow Bright studio uh and it is a game that is about the afterlife of your characters so it is a game it's another game that you would play to kind of like extend the story beyond the boundaries of what the normal mechanics of you know your fantasy campaign can handle so like i yeah i think i think that kind of stuff is a really wonderful and rich design space um to explore and uh i would love to see more of that sort of thing happen in yeah. the future so well so yeah this, to you for
1: doing that in your very first game that you're jamming i think that's really cool and i think it'll add a lot to the game too
0: yeah heck yeah i yeah I, yeah i i think uh carrie that was um that that's a really great way to start the game and also like I have a feeling that it is going to be somewhat more, like, uh, collaborative than Dungeons & Dragons. So it kind of, like, helps set yeah. the tone of collaboration at the table, if indeed that is what you're trying to co-construct. So, yeah, yeah awesome. uh, uh, g- get, you know, give it give it a couple of months or a couple of weeks or something like that. Feel free to uh, tell us how it's going on this platform. Yeah, shoot again.
1: us an email. Yeah, yeah. or this platform. But we we got not just one Splatphone. We have two Splatphones And our second oh, the Splat the
0: embarrassment phone, of riches. Yes. yes.
1: Is from Jim Jones. And uh, he had a few comments about Daggerheart and mentioned an RPG that Kyle was familiar with. So let's hear from Jim.
2: Hi, John and Kyle. This is Jim Jones. I go by Great Big Table on Macedon. Um, and I just wanted to comment or make a comment on the uh, little bit of the sketch out detail that Kyle gave on the Daggerheart RPG. Uh, as far as the cards making up the characters. It reminded me a little bit of the asset cards that are part of Sean Tompkins' Ironsworn RPG. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you can get a free copy of the PDF at ironswornrpg.com. Um, but anything that makes your character unique, because the characters base their class classless are, are defined on these cards, and there's a huge stack of them. And then the neat thing about it is all the rules for running those cards or having the attributes interact with the game are on the cards themselves. Or if there's resources that have to be tracked, you can just do little checkboxes bo- check on the cards. Or if you want to upgrade the abilities, that's also on the cards. Uh, it's a really neat system. Uh, definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it before. Uh, it can be played as a solo or co-op or a guided game. Um, I really like it. My kids like it. Um, so de- definitely interesting to see that more games are doing play around with that that card mechanic building idea. Uh, glad that you had a good time at GenCon, Kyle and, and I hope that the your uh, spy game goes well John take care and keep up the good work guys really love your podcast
0: yeah another really thoughtful uh, message from a, a, a wonderful listener and uh thank you so much for sending that our way Jim yeah you know it's funny because i have i have run iron sworn a couple of times um I think I ran it within the first year it was released uh, and uh, I, I really do adore that game. And uh, if you're interested in learning how to play it, there's a really wonderful uh, uh, podcast that you can listen to of uh, the um, game. Right, the the d- developer or Ironsworn Sean Tompkin playing with, I believe his son through nice. um, a, a, like creating an adventure together and then just kind of like passing the GM role back and forth between two characters. It's really, really wonderful, flexible game heavily inspired by powered by the apocalypse, but also has like explicit tools in it for solo play, which is wonderful. But yeah, uh, because I was playing with it over just with, with a PDF and, and a bunch of, um you know, Google spreadsheets that I I had set up. I never really used the aspect cards. So like Mm. there's a ton of like extra powers and, and, and stuff that actually comes out in, in these decks of cards, um, which is really interesting. And I I want to I want to kind of put this out there also um, with the because I've been now we've been kind of living post Gen Con announcements and everything like that. So Dagger Heart's kind of like kind of been talked about a bit in the public MCDMs own game has been talked about in 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 the public and and like more and more information is coming out there and there are i i am seeing some troubling aspects of our community kind of surface Uh in these discussions where it's just like oh they just stole that from that game oh they didn't come up with that oh i that is so interesting yeah Exactly so and I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not at all saying that Jim is doing this right. uh, Jim Jim is saying like I like I like how that sounds and I love this game and that is always a conversation I am, I am on board for uh, yeah. but yes now you know, I'm attempting to police Twitter, which is always a loo- losing yeah, I never do
1: that but you know what's interesting <laughs> uh, about that is maybe that's just a symptom of a growth the growth of the hobby or or actually I have an idea so so I, I don't know if you've heard of this podcast it's called um, Ken and Robin talk about stuff. Um, and one
0: thing make <laughs> a drink
1: <laughs> one thing they always one thing that uh, Robin always says is the wonderful thing about the RPG space is we just kind of steal ideas from each other and nobody yeah. really minds you know and I wonder here's here's my theory uh, I'll relate it to sports everybody ready so sports were a lot of fun for me to watch when I was young because there was no 24 hour sports channel when you have more content you need to generate you have to find more things (laughs) right so when sports was just on the evening news you would just hear the score of the rams you know cardinals game and you wouldn't hear about the rams quarterback negotiation because there wasn't time to tell you about that right but when you have to fill up a huge news cycle now you have to talk about every player's contract and the salary cap and all these other things i don't care about so like I, I can't say this is what is happening, but I think two things are happening. One is the hobby is growing. Yes. Right? And two, there are more people who are making a living creating content where they critique the hobby. And if that's gonna happen, what you're describing is gonna happen.
0: Yes. I I, I think you're probably right. Everybody's going to take their angle on it. And it's just like it's really it's really upsetting to see uh cause it, it really the way that my read on this is is it's a bunch of um, you know indie uh, rpg creators like myself out there doing doing their their cool thing and playing all these cool games and learning all about them yeah. and then and then when somebody else comes along and comes up with a system that you know uses cards in a way that this does or 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 doesn't have like a roll to hit roll instead of it's just straight roll to damage the assumption is that that decision could not have been arrived at independently through iterative design procedures that it was instead Lifted uncredited from somebody else's game. And there's no reason to believe that. And even if that is what is happening, it's 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 just like just like calm down, especially before the game actually comes out. I see very little advantage if I was putting out a game to talk about all the games that were inspiring the playtest material. It's like, wait till we yeah. have a solid design to to, to really talk. But but, but whatever. What? It, but it's like it's interesting to watch, but I wish that. Um, I wish that the nature of the conversations that I'm starting to see arise was more about c- celebrating like how there are all these wonderful games to play and ideas to yeah. cross pollinate as opposed to kind of like just griping that s- somebody is making an awful lot more money and getting an awful lot more attention than you, even though you special man that you are know all of the games that they're ripping off. And it's just, it's just, it's just such a bad, such a bad you know
1: what? This reminds right me of, this reminds me of, oh, I'll take this back to the eighties. Cause it was another thing that I didn't like. Um, there used to be this magazine, the comics journal, uh, which I didn't like because what it would do is people would know they were good comics journal fans when they could identify the influences of a comic book and then go back to that Pogo comic strip and say why that comic strip was better. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I find that exhausting. Yes. Like what I would much rather do is like people are gonna, that's how that's Okay let's let's make a very broad overarching statement i'm not qualified to make the the great thing about uh civilization and people is that we learn about the stuff we're the only species that knows how to learn and improve on the stuff that people did before us. Like chimpanzees know how to make primitive tools, but they've been making the same ones forever because they have no ability to advance their tools. Same is true for RPGs. Somebody came up with an idea. You came up with an idea that was similar, but you improved on it. So you made a new thing. I think that's great and worth celebrating, even if it seems like uh, theft. I don't think that, I don't think that's the case.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. It, it it kind of reminds And there's sort of like a, you know, in an age of mass media and copyright protection, we have this way of talking about even stories, right? So, yeah. like, you know, um, this the, we we talk about often the you know Grimm's fairy tales tar- tales as the original version. Of, right, but they're of, not, and they're they were they were a they were just the contemporary version that happened to be written yes. down at a time where mass media was available, mass media production was available to people, exactly. a, and B, um, they you know donkey skin is not a ripoff of Cinderella. These are, and Tolkien <laughs> wrote a whole essay about this. It's like these are two different stories that were adapted for different communities and saying, this is just like that flattens and robs us of, of the, of, of the, um, character of this experience. So like, let's, let's kind of talk about Let's do compare and contrast, and try to, to try to squeeze more juice out of this than than just like saying like oh I don't need to pay attention to it because it's just like this thing I happen to know. And again, exactly. I don't want to characterize Jim as. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you did not a gym. start this, Jim. I'm sorry that we did this to your question. It's a great question. We love Sworn. We're excited get about this, dagger like... hearts. <laughs>
0: What? No, we have the wonderful listeners. Everyone, yes. yeah, it, it's just it's it's it got it got me kind of thinking about some stuff that I'm I'm seeing now yeah. and everything. Well, I, I, I don't I didn't mean to drag you down into the yeah. pit of despair, Jim. <laughs> I apologize.
1: Well, I'll say uh, also thanks for the for the good wishes on the Spy Game. It went amazing, and that's that's a big part of what we're going to talk about today because I ran that game yesterday. That that's oh, was
0: right. Saturday. So yeah, at RFT. Cup. And, and so. so it was adorable. So John, John, like uh, messaged me is like, can we talk on, on Sunday about the game that I'm going yes. to run today? It was just like, he, he was just like, he, he knew he could already tell he was, he was just going to have to rush to the microphone to talk all yeah. about it. So this and, is and fresh is- off the
1: presses of stuff here and and it went so it went better than i hoped it would but Woo! what is surprising me here is that there was another game i played there that was even more impactful and we're going to talk about that game too so i love this all right um so yeah let's talk about i just want to talk about rftcon generally cuz you had said it sounded like it was a kind of there was a kind of magic to it this year and just to just to hit a few highlights and i don't like we don't this con is not like public but it's also not exclusive our rule is if you know somebody and they're cool and you'll vouch for them being cool like please invite them so you know uh, you know some people that we invited but they live in indiana and they weren't going to drive up to michigan for our little bespoke con so um but it is sort of a private affair um there were about two dozen people there we ran four games at a time there were three slots uh just some highlights andy from from roll for topic brought his teenager and they ran uh ruyatama uh, whoa that's yeah. awesome they're 15 uh i just i was at the table next to them while that was happening i i think it, with the possible exception of that funnel i ran at the first rft con like i don't remember a table where people were laughing that much they were just <laughs> they were just having a hoot like and And just the report from Andy was that their this fifteen year old talked to them nonstop for the whole two hour drive home about how great it is to have like a sympathetic engaged audience rather than half bored teenagers so I think I think their teenager might be one of us and oh, and I say Google that
0: gobble, I love to yes. hear it
1: yeah and that and when I say one of us, what I mean is somebody who has genuine sort of enthusiasm and energy and and wants to sort of put that on display while playing a game. I think that's the other highlight for me is like, I said to Chris afterwards, like, like I spent, I went, I ran a game about spies. Then I pretended to be a creature called a flux, which is like a humanoid who uh, can't hide what they're feeling and their exterior changes as their emotions change. And then I pretended to be a teenager in the 1980s in a game of Tales from the Loop. And at no point did I feel self-conscious doing those things. I could do them all with like excitement and energy. Yeah, so it's
0: that, you know, we've talked about it so frequently on the show, but it's that earnestness. And some people are not... In a place in their life where they can go there, or if yeah. if they're with if they're if they're if they're around certain people, like they're they're afraid to be earnest, or you know it could be worse. Something has cauterized their ability to be earnest yeah. in front of other people.
1: Well, and um, and yeah. I don't know. There was just something about this year. There were people I didn't know, people I knew really well, and the whole space just felt really really open to that. So there were a ton oh, of cool that's games. Special. Yeah, so I guess that means, so there were three slots, four tables each, so that's uh, 12, ga- 12 games, yeah. Not one game of 5e. Um, Aaron ran an awesome game of uh, a 4e layer assault, like, and he Ooh. just like the crunchiest crunch. And everybody had a great time, and they were like, that was super crunchy, that was so fun. Uh, probably not what I want to do for my campaign, but that got like my crunchy needs met for like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So that was a big hit. Um, uh, Chris ran Brindlewood Bay. That was a big hit. Um, that's a yeah, wonderful game. There, I, I know. I, Cause
0: I, I know Chris was talking about on roll for topic that he wasn't sure if he was going to write his own thing or run, run a pre-made, um, mystery, or something yeah. like that. So, he I, you and know, the so game far really is... lends
1: itself to yeah. pre made mysteries. And he had, I mean, his job was to organize the whole convention. So, actually, he and I had a conversation where uh, I said he was really stressed about the convention. I said, Chris, I have all the prep materials in a folder for the for the for the intro brindlewood bay can i just bring it to your house and like <laughs> and he said yes i will just do that and then he ran the and it was still amazing so
0: yeah well yeah. i mean it's so, there's still so much that it asks from the players and yes. improv on the gm that you know you could probably run the same mystery several times in a row and and because of the nature of the mechanics the replayability is yeah.
1: is great for that game so uh, i mean that could talk about the different games and and the successes and all the awesome stuff uh uh all day but i'll just talk about the games i played in and ran so let me actually start with the last game i played in that was tales from the loop uh the starter set um it was a blast like one of the fun th- it was set uh, in the 80s it's another league all- game right it's another free league game you're really so this you're really impressed with experience. the swedes
0: these days <laughs> yeah uh
1: well this is the this is the funny part rarely am i the rules expert at the table but having run vast and i'm like oh, I I can explain all this to everybody. Like, (laughs) it doesn't normally happen. Um, Then, uh, so Joel, my friend Joel was running it. I played with my friend Ben and his wife and uh, my friend Garrett. And they're all just, we were just hilarious. We just leaned into being teenage. I was the jock. Uh, Garrett was the younger sister who's smarter than everybody who can like actually hack the computers. You know, we're like all these, it's like kids on bikes kind of. Um, Yeah. Yeah, all these architects. We had a hoot of a time. Solve the mystery. Uh, it was hilarious, and then uh, at the end, Joel was like, "Yeah," and that's the first time I've ever GM'd. I'm like, "What? Yeah." Oh,
0: so- <laughs> oh man, can you imagine? He, he was, he was G- great, yeah. I, it's uh, what it what it what an amazing community that people are. GMing for the first time at a at a convention like in front yeah. of other people like I it's just I, it's just what an amazing community those fine folks over at Role for Topic have created. Uh, yeah. uh and that uh, was really my tremendous people. It was
1: great. And that was my last game of the day and it was just it was just relaxing fun, and we made fun of the... I mean, it's set in Michigan, the adventure he ran in the 1980s. I'm like, oh, I remember all of this. Like, <laughs> like my, I was the jock, and people would compliment me. Like, it's a small town, so people were like, oh, I saw you play. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm being recruited by, like, Superior State. Like, it was just fun for me to add all these details from when I was a kid to, like, you know. yeah, That's it was great. Good. Yeah, so, uh, so that was the last game of the day. Let me tell you about the game I ran. Yes, this is the one uh, that um, uh, Kyle gave me some advice on and I got some help from. So let me tell you. So I ran a, a spy game and ostensibly it was the James Bond 007 RPG from 1983 by Victory Games. So let me tell you about the. So when when Chris announced that the theme of the con was secrets, I immediately knew what I wanted to do. And let me tell you sort of what i did at a meta level and then i'll describe the game to you so what i've always wanted to do is recreate that moment in movies or stories where the character has a huge revelation that the the world is not what they thought it was right so the example i've been using is the matrix right i forget kyle or kyle i forget keanu reeves first name character's first name but anderson mr anderson uh is going around being a programmer he's kind of bored Right. He takes the pill and suddenly he's in the post-apocalypse. Like the world is vastly different. And I've never, and maybe it exists, write in or call the splat phone, if you know, uh, but a game that, that genuinely creates that sense of sort of both wonder and sort of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, that pivot, that flip, that, you know, like when the rug is pulled out from under you. So what I wanted to do was create that experience for some players and I thought it would have to be experienced role players, so I decided to do it at this convention. So here's here's what I did. I prepared two games. I prepared a game that we started with, which is the James Bond RPG 007 game from 1983. I also prepared that same game as a Knights Black Agents game, which is the <laughs> vampire star vampire spy thriller by Ken Height, And if you don't know, I'm sure if, you know, James Bond is James Bond, it has all the things you think of. If you don't know Knights Black Agents, just real quick, it's, it's sort of like a high action investigative Jason Bourne style game, except the characters in the game are spies that have been burned because they found out that that behind everything in the world is a conspiracy of vampires. And they're out to sort of, they all have different motivations, but these burned spies are sort of creating their own little network and fighting back. That's the plot. So what I did is I set it up. I put up a, a Game Master screen for James Bond. I handed everybody a James Bond character sheet. We, I won't do every detail, but we did like, uh, one of the things I added to make it a little more modern is I I pulled out each of the important NPCs from from the bond universe. And I said, you have a special connection with one of these pick that. And then I'll tell you what your special connection is. So like, if your special connection was money, Penny, you know, you got a one time you could call money, Penny, because she has the highest clearance and knows everything. And you can get just free info about an NPC or a oh, that's perfect. You do that once. And I, you know, like Q, if you choose Q cubes, it gives you a special bespoke thing that only you have, you can use it once, you know, uh, I had M. Uh, M had something. I actually had 007 was a choice, but they chose Money Penny, Q, and Felix Leiter. Okay. And Felix Leiter's thing was that he could buy you some ridiculously expensive thing that you couldn't find on your own one time. <laughs> so that was his because he's from the CIA and they have all the money. So. So the adventure we were using was actually the, the Zelazny Sanction, which is a Knights nice Black agent adventure, though I didn't tell them this. So the, it's set in 2019. They make these spies. They're not double O's. They're like spies who are aspiring to be double they're, O's. They're just below that level. So they, they're doing this mission together, and hopefully they'll, they'll get a chance. And there was actually an interesting scene where they went and talked to M. Oh, the other fun thing is as they chose those characters, I had photos of all the actors who'd played them. So they got to choose which version which of the era so, of Money Penny. Yeah, so, yeah. so their Felix Leiter was was um was uh Jeffrey Wright from Casino Royale, and their M was Judy Dench, but their uh Money Penny was Lois Maxwell, who was the original Money Penny. So you sort of get to stitch <laughs> the universes together. So it was very fun. Um so they start this mission, and I won't go through the details, but they realized there was this armed shipment coming in. It was coming into this warehouse. They tracked the warehouse. They tracked where it was going to be delivered. And then they had to, but there was this one mystery item that, like, it seemed like just regular stuff, like Russian thugs were bringing, like, automatic weapons into the Ukraine to for some subversive reason. This is pre-invasion. It was set in 2019. But there was one special object that nobody could find anything about. And their mission is to get in there and find out what it was. Okay. So a bunch of elaborate plans. At one point, they get Felix Leiter to get them an ambulance that's like converted so they can steal the thing and drive through town and something that looks like an ambulance. And they had all these plans and everything. And they get inside. And the thing, the special thing is a coffin. And the coffin is being unloaded by dozens of thugs, but also two people that are hooded one has a hoodie on one has a fedora it's the middle of the night they uh garrett who is one of my players fails a roll and gets caught and it was one of my one of the most fun moments of of my gaming life where i said okay the two figures turn around and look at you and i printed out these eight and a half by 11 paintings of like terrifying looking vampires one in a hoodie and one in a fedora and i just laid them on the table and you could see like the fangs and the <laughs> blood and uh and then I took out a Knight's Black Agents GM screen and I said, my secret is <laughs> we're not playing the James Bond RPG. And I took out the Knight's Black Agents book and I said on the table, I said, we're playing Knight's Black Agents. And one of my players, Laura, was like, everybody went wild immediately. They loved it. I had a couple of tells in there because they did see the special item. It was in a coffin before they saw the vampires. And Laura made a joke. She's like, Are we playing Knights Black Agents? And apparently I have a good poker face because I didn't, didn't do it. And the you other didn't one let it go. On the James Bond character sheets, I did give this is my other tell, I did give one character uh, a level in a cult because they could know that. So immediately when he saw the vampires, he said, John, and I handed them new Knights Black Agents character sheets. And he said, John, because of my occult, can I be paranoid and actually have like a clip of silver bullets? And like, I was like, you know what? yes like go for it so so the action starts he perforates these two vampires but he doesn't kill them because that doesn't kill them it just they fall down these stairs into the into the thugs and they start thrashing around like they're burning and like just mayhem and they end up stealing the vampire's car like the vampires pop up in this mercedes and they steal it and they just get the heck out of there as fast as they can um they implant uh, the Q item that Laura got where they implanted a tracking device on the head vampire. What was inside the coffin was actually like a super vampire that controlled the other two. Mm. So they, they implanted a tracking device on that vampire so they could track it later. They get in the car and this is, this is something I chose to do, but I loved it was uh, they peel away. And Garrett's character who had chosen money, Penny goes money, Penny, you're not going to believe this. We barely got out of there and they're, I'm not kidding. There are vampires. And I just said, there's a long silence and money. Penny says, so, you know, and then she goes, so, because I like you so much, I'll give you 30 minutes before I tell M, but never come back here. And so that was the end of the game. And then like curtain broke. So the idea is this is them getting getting
0: goosebumps. I wasn't (laughs) even
1: there. (laughs) So, so the point was I switched games in the middle of a game session and made it go from James Bond to be about, vampires and spies and i think it was a big hit and i had a blast running
0: and you've been planning this for months so i've never
1: prepared for a game this much in my life
0: (laughs) that that's so great yeah it was so fun i love that uh uh that yeah that sounds that sounds absolutely magical and um did you prep for this game with the with the um uh lazy dungeon master return of the lazy dungeon master I did
1: so what i did did you find out that that helped yeah, because what I did is it allowed me to be flexible. So the way I prepped for the game is I actually made the adventure was actually a Knights Black Agents adventure that I modified, and and there. Not, so what I did is I did Knights Black Agents pregens, and then I read through the Knights Black Agents adventure, and then I took that adventure and I just basically converted it to to the Lazy Dungeon Master cards. And, and added my own clues and stuff, right? So so I just had a stack of secrets and clues that I could play wherever they went. So if they went to the docks to see if they could figure out when the boat was coming in, I could give them clues there. So that was super helpful. And then when I had the pre-gens for Nice back Agents, I just converted them to James Bond pre-gens. So I didn't even, like, yeah, the adventure prep was really just having those cards ready to go. It was good. So I had the uh, locations. The only thing I had not nailed down is I wanted the reveal to be in that warehouse, right? Um, sure, sure. Then, yeah. And there was a choice. They could have escaped like there were tunnels under the there's like a labyrinth under the city of Odessa where they were. They could have escaped that way or but they chose to just get out of there and, you know, get in the car and take off. And yeah. But yeah, the lazy dungeon master was great. I actually bought a copy and read. That's how I started my prep is reading through that just the basics of the lazy dungeon master setup. So yeah, it was good. It, it,
0: yeah. I, that's it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a really handy thing, but yeah, that game, that's a, that's a white whale game. Like you, I've yes. never, I've never heard somebody describe a game where it just like, uh, it, it, it went off as, as famously as, as that did, you know, just like that. I was like so that. happy.
1: I, I had three it, players. It was Joel, actually the guy who jammed the tales from the loop game at the end of the day. He was one of my players, uh, this woman, Laura and Garrett, who I've played with before uh I had two other players signed up, but they didn't end up coming to the convention, but i couldn't have like it was the right actually the small number of players was good um and uh they couldn't have been more into it. They were so accepting of like this is crazy, let's go like <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah. awesome hey,
0: congratulations dude yeah, on yeah uh, just like do do absolutely executing on a fantastic and brilliant idea. And just kind of reading the group and knowing that you could pull off that full. Yes. But the the prop humor with the
1: GM screen
0: is just
1: <laughs> uh, chef's I, kiss. I, I, I won't lie. Like, I actually bought a nice bike agent's GM, GM screen so I could pull that joke. I just yeah. couldn't yeah.
0: resist it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that that's, you got to. Like, it's a commit to the bit, right? I love it. I, Oh man, that that's I'm so glad that went off so well. Yeah, I was I've, good. I'm sad that I missed it. I wouldn't have been playing in that game anyway, though, because you no. you were talking to me about it ahead
1: of time, so I spoiled it. Well, it's I did so want to good. mention one other game in a little detail. Um, yeah. So it was my friend Ben's game, and he actually bought brought a game that he is uh, creating with him. Ooh. And he playtest. He allowed us to playtest it. Uh, the game. Is currently tied, and I asked him beforehand if I could detail it, because uh, he is a generous person. and am not worried that people are going to steal his ideas, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> it, plus, it's, it's powered by the apocalypse, so uh, yeah. Uh, but it's called uh, Wick and Wander, is the hmm. name of it. Uh, I think he described it as a cottage punk pastoral game. Um, he hasn't published anything about it. So I won't put any links in the show notes because literally there's this one copy that's been in his head and he's just put down for us to play with. But um, hopefully we'll be hearing about it. Um, So what here, I'll give you the basics of the game. He describes it as cottage punk pastoral based on Powered by the Apocalypse. And the idea is, were these people living in a post-post-apocalypse society? Uh, If I were to, to... it's hard to compare it to anything, but I'll try like, like basically it's sort of like uh, the film Annihilation starring Natalie Portman where the, where this meteor lands on earth and this, the world becomes this both bizarre and beautiful place, but the world isn't terrible. It can be dangerous, but it isn't terrible. So it's like Annihilation combined with Studio Ghibli, uh, combined with like the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring when the hobbits are all just hanging out. Like oh, you live okay. in these small, rural, pastoral communities that are separated by great distances. And our our job was to travel from one community to the other. We've been selected by our community members and we're going to go travel. And it felt a little bit like, um, maybe the other comparison I'll make is Numenera, where the world is very futuristic and strange. Uh, and it was powered by the apocalypse. Here was the one really cool mechanical difference that he added which is there are no dice it's based on cards it's a completely card based so whenever you wanted to do anything you would draw cards so the way it works there's five attributes right and each attribute has five cards you start with a deck of 25 cards the first thing you can do is swap cards so if you let's say i have skills so my character had skills so so it's part of the apocalypse in that you have a playbook right my character was called the flux and my abilities were about sort of emotionally connecting with other creatures because mine, you know, we're connected through this thing called the weave, which is sort of like the force, but also a little more material. Um, and, and so anyway, I had a lot of skills that used knowledge and wisdom, right? So what I could do is swap a couple of strength cards for a couple of wisdom cards so that I would have more wisdom cards in my deck. So when I, when I drew to do something, I'm more likely to get the things that I'm good at. Oh, sure. But, Yeah, so it it was really clever. But here's the really cool part that really set the game apart. The other thing he had us do is he had three blank cards. We wrote on them with Sharpies. This is all he made these cards. Like he made this whole game. It was kind of amazing to see. So you write on these blank cards. um, And this is like the bond section, like how you create bonds with people. But his questions were who do you love? Who do you respect? And who do you constantly compare yourself to? Ooh. And the mechanic was... It's juicy. Yeah. And the mechanic was, if you draw one of these relationships, you automatically succeed. Tell us how that relationship helped you succeed. Oh. So here's the way it happened. Like, I can detail what we did, and it may sound, I don't know, it sounds like a Studio Ghibli movie. Like, it doesn't sound super intense, but the emotional experience created, honestly, like... Like, so the guy sitting next to me was the poet that was his character... Mm. his archetype. I was the flux. So so mine is, I'm just always wearing my sleeve, my feelings on the outside. And in fact, I played it like I hardly said anything, but like, we actually saw a deer get get killed by a predator. And I'm like, oh, I turn like a pale shade of blue. Like, you know, like I didn't, you know. And he, his character was the poet. So when the first question came out, I'm kind of an impulsive person. And I didn't, this is the first day I've met this person. I don't know them. And I, and his name is James, and I and I said, oh, I love the poet because I can't articulate things. I'm just pure emotion, but he can he can articulate things in a way that I can't. And that really makes, you know, and so we all did that with another character. And then who do you respect? And, you know, but these would come up. And so these, these five people who don't really know each other, like I never, I've I knew Ben very well because we used to work together. I know his wife a little bit because I've been to their house a couple times, but there's a woman across from me, Liz. I didn't know her at all. Toby, I knew just I've had dinner with him a couple of times, but I've never played a game with him. And James, I just met that day and they, you know, I draw my card and I say, and I succeed. And I say, well, uh, I think Toby was the weaver. I'm like, I just have so much respect for the weaver because I see the ability, the way he's sort of able to fix things that I think are permanently broken and it just warms sm- my, like, and we we're saying these things to each other over and over. So we had this, we had two encounters. One was the that the, the one of the creatures in this world are like these giant like sky whales, but they're translucent. And what they do is they swim around and they swim through clouds and they eat the moisture like it's krill and they just mm. sort of float around all the time. It was a really beautiful image. And we found one of them, injured on the ground and we like had to save it it was being attacked by like these ticks or something um and i'm really getting into it and ben i'm sitting next to ben he puts his arm on me and he's like are you all right do you want us to man? And i realized i was just so like moved by this and then the next encounter was we found what was a ghost but it was about somebody a traveler like us who'd just gotten lost and they just frozen to death and the ghost was walking around like I just i'm cold can you tell me how to get home and james next to me literally like started crying and i'm almost crying oh. telling you about it we're all like oh are you okay like there was just something about the way those interactions worked and the way the world he built and the scenarios he put together it was really we were all like wow that was beautiful man like there was no real combat there was no like desperate conflict it was just exploring this crazy world and connecting with each other it was it was kind of singular i i i'm interested he said i could play test it for my group i'm interested to see the comparison we kept making was like Alice is missing, like this mm. unexpected, intense emotional experience, except there was all like wonder and joy. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, it really actually reminds me closely of um, how I think how Ryutama is imagined to to run uh, yeah. most of the time. It's like it's, it's sort of it's sort of more or or something like uh, Wander Home. Um, yeah, yeah, where it's yeah. kind of more, it's came up. About like yeah. these encounters on the road and how does it affect, you know, how, how do these external events in, how do you internalize those and all that stuff? But also like several of the games that I played and, and heard about at, um, um, that, 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 uh, that, that, that
1: uh, uh, festival I went to, uh, last spring in Denmark. That's what I thought of when you went to Denmark. Yeah. And you were telling me about some of the, like the woman who was the, uh, I it it wasn't this dark, but the woman who was the. Woman who had to be hired to go in to see if people had the plague and how isolated she was from the community, like that popped into my head as we were playing this game. Like it had that kind of emotional connection. And
0: I actually I remember talking about that game uh, with you, and you were like, "That sounds really interesting, but that doesn't necessarily sound like something I would want to
1: do." (laughs) Like I would never seek that out.
0: So that sounds like the the kind of like um, the 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 sci fi fantasy angle on this kind of. Decharged that enough where it's just like yeah. i don't want to do something that's actually a bummer in real life but yes. i don't you know it's like i don't mind you don't you, you have no you have no problems being like an emotional in a game and like you yes. know
1: genuine and vulnerable and all that kind of stuff so um and, and everybody yeah. at the table was like that it was it was uh yeah I'm, i want to try it again to see uh I don't want to recreate that exact experience because I never will, but I do want to try it again to just see what other experiences we can have. So, yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty amazing. So yeah. I I, I love
0: that. You know, it, it's, it's, I think, I think it, it's just like, there's so many different things that all of these different games can do. And even if, you know, it's like, even if you're borrowing stuff from powered by the apocalypse, yeah. like the arrangement of them and the arrangement of people at the table for that specific time, it's always going to be different. So um uh it, it's be, different- being really yeah. being really like precious about your special ideas you don't want anybody to steal and i hear yeah. like young young game designers always really worried about this i don't want i don't want to put my game out there until it's finished because i don't want anybody to steal my ideas it's like well first of all i'll bet you stole some ideas uh <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but also secondly it's just like that's not actually the magic
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah. and it's and, the and people think- you care about yeah, and I think Ben was really great as both a creator and a GM cuz cuz Toby's character Weaver had been sort of conceived as sort of like a cleric like he can help you if you'd be injured in combat. But there was wasn't really any combat. And so sure. Toby would say, "Well, I'm a Weaver. Maybe I could just learn more about this creature that's on the ground because I can." And and Ben's like, "Yeah, absolutely. Like that sounds like a great idea." Like there he you was go. just willing to, yeah. So uh,
0: this Tuesday. Ben character sounds like sounds like we we should uh, maybe maybe sometime down the road uh, we could have him on the show uh, that and and just yeah. like t- talk about like where where this project came from and and how it's progressed and like what's coming next for it.
1: Um, yeah, um, I think that would be fun, and I, I maybe I'll play test it again, and we could have him on to talk about it. He's one of these super smart guys who's also really open hearted, who also likes people, who also likes to solve. Like Chris Salzman once said to me, the key. Component to wanting to be a computer programmer is in some, like, in the way that you were talking about, like, if you want to be an artist, you have to enjoy making marks on a surface, right? Like, the key to being a programmer is not necessarily typing, it's enjoying solving problems alone, right? You know, and Ben is both definitely that person. Like, he has this has been riding. He said at the game, he's like, This is my first play test, it's just been in my head for a year, so it's super exciting for me to like have you guys do this. Oh, that's awesome! Like, and I would never do that. Like, I, like two weeks into it, I'd be like, what do you guys think? Like he just sure. was very comfortable, like letting that gestate until it was ready to come out and be played. So yeah, it was cool.
0: Um, all right. That's great. So I have, a, I, I got, I got, I, I'm, I'm struck with a sudden urge to ask a a, a question out of the blue yeah, right. and forgive me if this puts you on the spot, but, I'm ready. uh, yeah, at the beginning of the summer, like we we had a couple of conversations cuz like I, I think a couple of your games were in flux and like yeah. i wasn't playing any games at that point yeah. uh cuz i was just i was fresh off of this um uh this spring from hell uh <laughs> for my right. for my First year teaching yeah. classes or whatever so, yeah, yeah so so th- what are we now that we're done with the summer essentially um what what's the future of gaming look like for both of us? Like, are there yeah. games that we're excited about? Are there games we're just like, Oh, I, I have to run this one or like, is the schedule back up and running now that nobody is like, you know, has all these like bizarre summer plans. Like what's, what's, what's your, what's your, what's your gaming look like um, for the next couple of months?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I'm excited. Cause the, the group, my regular group is back together. Everybody's back in town. Um, uh, and we actually had our first in session, uh, the Monday before RFT cut, where I didn't prepare anything because I was too busy <laughs> preparing <laughs> my spy game. So we just sort of waited. But people came with ideas and stuff to do. There you so go. It worked out. So I think I'm I'm starting this Vassin game again, and with a new kind of energy. Like like, wow, we could take this in some really interesting places. What I said to them at that session, and feel more now after that gaming convention and all the games we played all summer, which are, was a variety of games we played dialect and you know, all this stuff. Like I've been using published adventures and we've been doing like, you get a letter, go off and solve the problem described in this letter. And now I'm back now that we're back and everybody seems into it. It's like, Oh, we're just gonna, we're gonna, now there's something big is going to happen and you guys are part of it. And we're just gonna now logically follow from the actions you guys take. And different characters came back with different things they want to do. Steve had made a character. That's a big brutish guy. Um, and they ran into like this street urchin and he's like, Hey kid, like, do you know where I can find like a bare knuckle boxing ring? Like, you know, like, and, and Merv's character, like they're, they're this, uh, there's this, um, Guy trying to has a lien on their property. He's trying to like steal the castle from them. And Murph's like, I'm going to learn the law, and I'm going to run circles around this guy. Like, <laughs> like just like they're invested in stuff they want to do. So let's just do this stuff rather than go off to a remote part of Finland and find that vasen Yeah, I, so. I
0: think that's the way to do it. I think I think a lot of sandbox campaigns would actually benefit from like so, some good tutorialized like here's here's what we're actually doing as opposed to just like you know saying like you can do whatever from the very beginning it's like well let me let me learn some npc names and let me like get a feel for who my character is and then i can start charting my own path
1: so and what really helped this is interesting and i think this is what really helped us is we played a couple adventures in the game like, like by the book, literally like this right. is a published adventure. We'll play this adventure. Then we did this game, which we talked about on a previous episode, which was fiasco, but, but in the world of and it was like the past this foundation yeah. of the, yes. So what we're doing is we're taking all these NPCs. We're like, okay, that was 30 years ago. Between those consequences and the adventures we've had, how can we create a narrative through line that. That Now we have a narrative going forward. So that's what we're going to do. But And, it, and so that, that fiasco game was like a session zero, but we didn't do it at the beginning. Yeah. I think that's what really made this good. That was Murph's comment. He was like, not doing it at the beginning gave us so much more to work with. So now we have some stuff to work with. Now we have more stuff to work with. Yeah, it's really interesting.
0: You know, that kind of gets back to... to Carrie's uh, question. Yeah, Carrie's yeah. question and Tim's question, yeah. you know, like... is answered your
1: question, Carrie, just to go back. Yes, I just ran a vast campaign <laughs> where I played Fiasco <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> well, and yeah. I forgot all about it.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, it's like there... I think sometimes, like, uh, the convention would have you believe that, you know, a great way to do collaborative world building is before the game starts. And that'll yeah. give you ideas that you can yes and and, and kind and of it's build off not a off bad of. idea, right? It's, not, it's certainly yeah. not a bad idea. But there's also no rule that says you can only do that at the beginning. Like you could imagine how cool would it would be if you were playing a game for like four months of Dungeons and Dragons. And after everybody has like these big questions about your setting, they're finally like picking up on these threads. Then you do your quiet year prequel. And then, and everybody's like trying to make things connect. They're much more invested as opposed to just kind of like throwing, throwing the spaghetti against the wall to see if it's done, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, the only bad part to all this is uh, Brandon saw how much prep I did for my spy game, and he's like, "John, no more excuses. We know you can do a lot of prep." So.
0: <laughs> well, you know it's it's a it's it's a lot different for a one-off than it is yes. for you can't do
1: that every week. Oh, Lord. Oh, man, that's great. Um... What are you doing? You've started a new game, and you've mentioned now a second game you played with some of your cloud curators. That's right, yeah.
0: So, um, we actually just had our second session, uh... Uh, of what is probably going to be three of this Blade Runner game. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we were going to knock this out in two hours, and it's going to take around six by the time we get well, done. Well, that's good. That's uh, good. We're having a blast, but I, you know what, I, I honestly came into this going like mysteries can't be that hard to run. Like everybody's, <laughs> everybody's, they, they're making it up, uh, and they everybody's are not. Everybody's
1: just crying, I, and yeah.
0: It is. Yeah, it is. It is actually
1: Here goes, I bet it's that guy and it's this thing. And you look at your sheets and that guy and this thing are not in any of your clues or part of your mystery at all. And you're like, oh, no.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and then some of it is just like it's like, you know, it's like if you had just recently watched Blade Runner, you might think like, oh, I'll bet I can go look for like a serial number on this hair follicle from like this guy who lives next to the noodle shop. Uh, but if you're it's just like it's it's just if that support isn't there if you don't have like a list of people to go yeah. like there's like there's a lot of scaffolding to actually deliver the act of blade running um yes. that that i didn't think to support and like so i'm I'm learning a lot about all this kind of stuff but uh but yeah we're at, at, at the end of the day we're having a good time and i am i am looking forward to Perhaps starting a a short uh, one ring game after this. Um, yeah, yeah. I want
1: to hear about that. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, we were one time we we're gonna play. We were gonna try the the Strider version. where you Strider play, you version? Solar yeah. with one player, but we never did that. So now I want you to to run some and, and bring it back. Here.
0: And then I also I do I yeah I do have the Dragon Ball CRPG <laughs> <Yes>. now. <laughs> so nice. uh, so yeah. I I don't know if we want to play that on the show or not, but. I would um, play that on uh but we'll yeah it's it's hilarious uh but uh so yeah i there's a couple of things that i want to to get done um to, to to game with this year and then also like i am in i'm actually in a play test for like the the very first alpha builds uh, like internal play testing for the mcdm um games oh, nice. uh so that's really cool uh and it it definitely is reminding I me
1: to, Are i allowed to leave that in the show
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's it, that, that kind of stuff. There's like, I, they, they, there's a big message that says like, I, they're not particularly um, worried about information getting out. Um, Cause they're smart. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Right. They, they know how this kind of stuff goes. Yeah. Uh, but, but also, uh, but yeah, everything's very in flux, which is one of the reasons they're being tight lipped about things is they don't want to talk about a game that's not finished yet because then people are going to be confused when the game is, naturally going to be very different um so uh so yeah definitely reminds me of it's really like i love tactical games um i just don't like i just don't like um uh tactical games for tabletop rpgs because they have all this other junk on top of it that is not that is actually distracting from the tactical layer of the game Yes. Um, but it is, it's reminding and, me a lot of like how much fun I was having, like fielding, uh, uh, monsters in, in, uh, fourth edition when I was GMing that and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, well, but I'll it, say yeah. a couple of things about your Blade Runner RPG. Here's a, here's a prep tip. And this is what I realized to, in that sense, you have to get, you have to do prep in your milieu. So, so two lists, I made two simple lists. Ooh. One was spy names. So I just went to Wikipedia. I was like, lists of famous fictional spies, right? So I just wrote down, one of them chose Blackford Oaks, which was somebody. And the other person chose Alex Ryder. And those are both names from their, their mystery spies theories. I don't know anything about them, but they were just on this list. They chose them. They're good spy names. They just chose them off the list. The other thing is spy gear. Like In prep, I got all these spy gear stuff and I just made a list and I told them they could just ask me. So at one point, Laura goes, can I have something that allows me to listen in on this conversation from across the street? And I said, yes, there's this thing called Wolf Ears that lets you focus in on conversation because I had made a list of these things out of the Nice Black Agents book. I'd never heard of Wolf Ears before. She didn't know what they were, but I can just go, yes, you can have this thing. It's called this. This is what it does. So just having basic lists that are in the milieu of what you're running so you don't have to think about it. because because they would be like, "Can I have a thing that does?" I'm trying to do this, and I'm like, "Yes, there's a thing called X," or it was on the list. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's a back to your point. That's just a good thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> I think your and, player's and, never going to have looked into it as much as you have. I knew yeah. the list of these things because I just spent a bunch of time prepping the game. But before that, I didn't know the list of these things either. So,
0: yeah, and and it's just you know, it's there's a, there's it's running a mystery that is in a weird kind of like yes. far-fetched setting I think that there's an extra level of difficulty there because what seems like the logical course of action isn't necessarily even what's happening um right. so um but yeah I, we're like I said we're having a blast I'm learning a lot about myself as as a GM and kind of like you know what what I think proper player support would be uh for for running games like this uh but it does kind of make me think like probably i i, I i'm always going to run games with mysteries in them i don't know that this has me champing at the bit to run an, another just like straight up investigation game <laughs> friction between your world and abstractions is normal and expected over the course of any game no abstraction is more precious or important than the fictional world. Change them at your own whim. <laughs> Splat Book is a proud part of Roll For It Media. Be sure to check out our sister show, Roll For Topic, which is available wherever fine podcasts are purveyed or by visiting their website at gmdiscussions.com. And please leave us a five-star review on your podcasting app of choice. It really helps people find the show. Contact the show by sending us an email at splatbookpod at gmail.com or by leaving us a 90-second voice message on the Splatphone by visiting bit.ly slash splatphone. You can follow me on social media at Kyle Latino on twitter.com or by subscribing to my YouTube channel, MapCrow. And you can follow John in your hearts. Our closing quotation was from New Simulationism, A Manifesto, written in 2023 by Sam Sorensen. Our intro track today was Mo' Better Blues by the Branford Marsalis Quartet featuring Terrence Blanchard, recorded in 1990 for the Spike Lee joint Mo' Better Blues. Our outro today was a cover of the same track by the Soil and Pimp Sessions for their 2018 album, Pimp Masters. Now stay tuned for some cut bitlets. Head on over to patreon.com. <laughs> we got Rolling
1: that com over. On- <laughs> he has all the coms over at map. <laughs> either. <laughs> but I, mean, I didn't mean to talk to you about that. <laughs> I didn't mean to talk to you about how much I can't stand you. Yeah, I'm glad, glad this came up at the beginning of a recording. Yeah. yeah. So what'd you do this weekend?
0: Oh, uh, you probably can't see it, but I, I got a big Whoa. map I'm working on. So yeah. this was a, a gig that I picked up. Uh, I talked about it a little bit on the, the secret sketchbook today. Uh, on patreon um, oh, okay but yeah, so this is this is the map that I was commissioned to do at um, Gencon. Um, so cool and it has it has like it's a it's a mega continent with like fifty different locations that need to yes. be displayed with like different visual details. so it's just like <laughs> it's just a lot That's I will not be able
1: to mention everything. Uh, but this may be the episode where I talk way more than you do. So
0: this you know. this is exciting. Yeah, I, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm I, I'm excited just to just to hear about it.
1: Uh, those are both great. I think we do right? both of them right. Uh, would you like to hear something f- funny and strange though? Uh c- so I'm wearing I'm wearing my crappy old earbuds because I was mm-hmm. wearing those big cans that I bought, and I remembered just how much I hate over the ear headphones, and it's yeah. a lot. Like it's a lot. <laughs> uh but. So Carrie's message was just in my left ear, mono, and Jim's yeah. S message was just in my right ear, mono, and my that's left ear is broken, and so I only heard a little bit of it. So maybe my headphones are just broken, but that was very strange.
0: <laughs> yeah, I heard Jim just fine, but yeah, Carrie's was just in my left. I don't, I don't know what the deal is there. It
1: was me. So was it was it very quiet for you? Cause
0: no, quiet, my I mean, uh, my headphones actually work, so it oh, okay. it All should right, work. Well,
1: that's just let's <laughs> You care about your gear and stuff, which is a huge difference between you and I. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do this. I'm ready. I'm good. I took some notes. Hey, uh, that does remind me of something else. Just that the winter game. Uh, I was listening. I'm listening to a historical podcast about a war, and I don't. I, you know, if like if you don't study history, this could be one of those things you don't know. Like armies prior to say 1800 didn't fight in the winter. Yes. Like, like they just went home. They're like, Oh, it's the fall. We'll meet back here next year. Like, <laughs> you know, it was, it's a bit of, there was a, it was called the campaign season. And in the summer you would go and you would fight and then the fall would come because, because armies didn't have complex supply systems. They just, you know, stole from farmers and lived off the land and like when those things aren't around an army in that age couldn't do anything. So when in your average sort of medieval game, like winter is a thing, there's no canned food. There's no, you know, there's no, you can't get vegetables at the grocery store. Like, yeah. So anyway, that's a really intriguing.
0: Uh, and we actually see that reflected in uh, King Arthur Pendragon, the RPG as well. It's it's yes. like you, there is a season for adventure. And then you go back to your own castle and deal with all of your own family matters during the winter. And then you go out campaigning for the king and crown yeah. again. So, yeah, it's. Um,
1: this I don't say this to, well, first of all. <laughs> As an aside, uh, this is a very intentional cut bitlet, but poor Jim Jones. Like, not only do we just do that to him, but I wonder if he's been going his whole life, like, people making Kool-Aid jokes and being like, oh, you're buying a place down south? Like... I Sorry. <laughs> it, it, didn't ring.
0: it didn't ring true. I, I was I, confusing him I for couldn't. the you know, there's like the Web DM guy on he's a YouTuber. Yeah. He he has his name is Jim Davis. And I was okay. just like, oh man, I just I just would have used a different name. I there's no way I would be able to put up with all the Garfield jokes for the rest <laughs> of my life on the internet. Right? Uh yeah, anyway. Probably Uh-oh. stole that idea from Daggerheart. Oh yeah,
1: exactly. No. Oh, uh, what a ripoff! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so.